The Rwando Podcast is an exploration of the unconscious and the game of life. Be sure to visit Rwando.com to get a preview chapter of my upcoming book, Infinite Play, and free access to my content library. Enjoy the show. So I slaughtered a chicken yesterday. I slaughtered one of my chickens that I've been raising. First time killing an animal of that level of evolution. I mean, I've I've killed live lobsters or I've, you know, I've cooked lobster. But yeah, killing a chicken was a little different. And uh, I want to talk about it. I actually tried to record this yesterday, but I think um, I ended up rambling and I wasn't really getting to a point. And we'll see if I get to one here because I did want to speak about, um, you know, killing. And I guess my experience, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have like lessons for everyone other than the fact that I think if you eat meat, you should know, you should know the process of turning a live animal into something you eat to, to connect to that part. But anyway, I, I do want to share because I went through kind of a cascade of emotions. They were subtle emotions. It wasn't like this big dramatic thing. I, I've had heard some friends who say, uh, you know, I mean, I grew up in the city, but other friends I know who like grew up in the city and weren't ever around animals and they did one of these trips to like a farm in upstate New York, or Canada or wherever um, to kill a chicken and I've heard a few people say like, oh yeah, I killed a chicken once on this like uh, retreat trip and I didn't want to eat meat for a while. I was like, I, that seems, I, I hope I don't have that reaction, right? That seems kind of messed up. I mean, all of these people go back to eating meat. So it's like, wait, what you think? Like it just appears as a package or, you know, like this, this animal was an animal. Um, so it's interesting because like uh, for me, this animal that I killed, that wasn't, um, I've been raising it since it was little. I've been raising it since I think September or something like that. It's been a few months. Um, they've gone through puberty. It was clear, uh, which, I mean, there were two roosters, uh, and they were competing for alpha, I think. I don't know enough about chickens to know for sure. But uh, they were getting extra loud, and the hope was, one, we don't need two roosters. Two, I wanted to know the experience of killing an animal that I eat because I've been a meat eater my whole life and haven't, uh, haven't had that experience beyond lobster. So yeah, we picked the, picked the one that was making the most noise. There's one, uh, the, it was actually the biggest rooster, uh, I guess he was the alpha. I mean, I was actually not sure if I wanted to kill the alpha or the beta because uh, on, the, on the one hand, if I killed the alpha, I'm kind of messing with the with nature, right? Like nature decided that he was the alpha. Like, why am I messing that up? But then also this, this, this alpha chicken was the most uh, terrorizing. But then again, uh, chicken, chicken sex is kind of a violent act. I mean, when you look at it, like the, the hen screams, it definitely is not comfortable for her. But anyway, we picked the one kind of out of convenience. I picked the one out of convenience uh, or out of uh, just the fact that he was making the most noise. Anyway, because I haven't socialized my chickens. I didn't even know that was a concept until some friend who grew up on a farm told me of like holding them and spending time with them uh, beyond feeding them uh, so they get comfortable. So the few times that I've, I've held them to move them or, you know, get, you know, they do escape from the, the coop sometimes. I didn't grow up with animals. I didn't even grow up with dogs or anything, but there, there is, uh, I think an important thing about raising animals or holding animals. Cause like with chickens, they're a prey animal. If you grab them, not securely, they will freak out. They'll try to get away. They'll panic. They'll like flap their wings and, and do everything to get away. But if you hold them securely, they do enter a state of surrender, which I think is a lesson you could probably take into Love making, if you're, especially if you're a man or you're the masculine role in, in sex more often, um, or, or like holding a child or taking care of someone. Like there's a way to hold in a way that reduces their feeling of security as opposed to uh, increasing their willful surrender. Obviously, 
this this mechanism in a prey animal is because like oh I'm guessing I'm going to be eaten. But there's also something like the chi- you could feel the chicken's like the chicken calms down and uh, its heart rate actually goes down when you're holding it securely. So a few times in the last week, I've I've kind of singled out this chicken. I've grabbed him. I've let him eat out of my hand just so he can chill out. But it's funny this time when I went for him, all the chickens kind of freaked out in a way they never had before. Uh, it's it's almost like they knew that. I wasn't coming in just to hold them and feed them worms. Like they were, I was actually here for a different purpose. I mean, chickens are not a smart animal. Like they, they poop in their own water dish. Like, uh, but they're they're really behavior robots. But anyway, so I got him. He definitely was freaking out more than usual. This is also the first time I've taken him through the house and into the back. He's definitely freaking out. He definitely knew something was up. I tried to feed him out of my hand, but he. I mean, it's like you could tell he definitely felt uh, some sort of. He knew he was going to die. I think, and. At different moments, I felt discomfort, like resistance of like kind of wanting to separate uh, myself from the situation. In, in a sense, I was still, I still went through with it, obviously. But like, and I noticed like this is the thing that consumerist modern day society offers us, right? Like it's like like the doorman building. Like I've always thought, even when I lived in New York City, I thought it was ridiculous. I would never like on principle live in a doorman building. I would rather live in a walk up, a nicer walk up at the same price or something, because like the idea of a doorman is like you're you're putting. You're putting stuff. You're putting like, you're putting some sort of mechanism between you and the real world. I think it's just uh, it's disconnecting. It's it's disconnecting, and I, this might be a bit of a jump, but I do think a lot of our collective neuroses come from this disconnecting from real life, and our food is is one of the big ones. So like, I did notice in myself like this like when I grabbed the chicken, I kind of wanted like when he was flapping for his life, a part of me wanted to be like, oh, I want you just let him go, right? Make that excuse like it's it's uncomfortable for me. It's uncomfortable for him. Let him be. I'll just buy a chicken in the supermarket, right? Like I had a little bit of that that impulse. Um, but when I brought him to the back and like <clears throat> I could recognize that he was recognizing that something was up, like this is not going to be good for him. I did kind of have this kind of empathy. I mean, chickens really are not human-like. They don't have human-like emotions. I mean, chicken owners will say like, they'll come to you when you're feeding. But uh, if you drop dead, it, the first thing the chicken will do, it will eat your eyes out. Like it's not, it's not an animal that feels attachment or emotion. But in that moment, just the fact, like I think this is what maybe one of the most primal levels of empathy, like even an animal that doesn't have humanoid emotions like it knows it was going to die like it was feeling something and that is something that we can relate with even as humans to a chicken like for a moment i was like what would it be like if i was on death row what would it be like like knowing like i'm about to die and uh, it's actually something i've had a lot of dreams about like in in a war setting like i've had a lot of dreams kind of recurring dream in different settings where like it's kind of like the beginning of gangs in new york where uh you saw that movie like the opening scene um, Liam Neeson's tribe and uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's tribe, they're like basically facing off with like meat cleavers and like stabs and stuff. It's basically like a, it's a street fight, like gang on gang. And like in something like that where everyone's armed armed to the teeth, like you know you're going to get stabbed, right? I've had a lot of dreams like that of like kind of coming to terms like right before a battle starts where it's coming to terms like, shit, like I need to do something. And, I, and in this process, I'm very likely going to be stabbed. Anyway, I keep going off. I keep going off the story of the chicken. I think this is why it was hard for me to talk about it yesterday. It's like I was trying to be very like, I was trying to get to the point. But there's like these. Uh, it was like and all this happened. And you know, this entire process that I'm talking about was maybe a few minutes, right? It's not like I dwelled on it. But there's like the, these like dense emotions that kind of like went up one after the other. And then uh, you know, I, I looked at many different ways for killing chickens, uh, chopping his head off, slicing. The one that I thought was the best for a first timer. Um, was to hang it upside down, uh, which ended up being very spooky, you know, because it's like it was like a, you know the gallows. I mean, in a sense, 
and then you slice it, uh, then the blood can go into a bucket. Uh, so I got a really sharp knife. Um, the chicken did freak out quite a bit uh, for a moment, uh, upside down, more than it did in the videos that I've watched. Um, I don't know, I don't know, maybe it's because of the way I've raised them or whatever. Um, but eventually, I guess enough blood went to his head that he chilled. And there was another moment of resistance of like, fuck, like, yeah, just fuck. I don't know. This was just a moment of resistance. I, there's nothing more to say on that. Like, but like resistance to penetrate or step into his space, which all reminded me, I mean, I guess I have a side story for every emotion, but like when I started boxing, I had a lot of rage. I really wanted to fight. Like I, I spent a lot of, I spent a few months training, hitting the bag, doing pads, like, you know, I was a, a, a testosterone full kind of angry, frustrated teenager. But the first time I sparred was maybe four months after I started training. I found it so hard to to actually land a punch. It was not like I couldn't throw the punches. It was like something like it's like my arms, like I lost like I lost like the technique because I couldn't something about like entering and penetrating the other guy's space was really something challenging. It's like, I don't know if it was cultural stuff or like you just like the way I've, I've been raised or just maybe some innate resistance, you know, especially for someone who grows up in an environment where he's separated from reality, right? Like if we were Paleolithic people, we probably would have had to penetrate different things in different ways. Um, maybe this is the first, this is maybe this is the way it's like a, a Paleolithic kid would feel on his first hunt or, or maybe anyone if you know if you have to actually throw a spear but yeah it, it was very hard for me like it's like it's almost like he had a force field and every time i would punch like my hand would like fall it's like i couldn't bring myself to enter his space until he hit me then he tagged me and it's like i dropped from like my human uh social uh, uh social politeness mind into like some animalistic mind where then i could like hit him back and like it, it cracked something and um lieutenant colonel dave grossman he was who was on the podcast one of my favorite podcasts you should check that out uh, in the archives, but also um, uh, he wrote the book on killing. He talked about this in the book, like one of the biggest advancements in ancient military organization was like finding ways for to get soldiers to penetrate, to, like actually stab, because um, there's like some, it's, it's already hard sometimes to get people to fight who don't have like a direct, like because war is different than, um, than like, like a, an argument that leads into a physical conflict, right? Like in a war, two people who don't really know each other are fighting over something that maybe doesn't even affect them directly or it might like indirectly affect them or it's like something that affects their nation which indirectly affects them. Anyway, penetration is like a huge thing that's hard. It's hard to get people to stab. And even uh, there's even stories about in the Civil War and that whole era, even the Napoleonic era, where uh, soldiers would fix bayonets, obviously, to charge. And like, you know, with a bayonet, what do you do? You stab. But there are many cases where Civil War uh, soldiers would turn around their uh, rifles and swing because it's so uncomfortable to enter a man with penetration. It's like it's like uh, uh, Grossman likened it to like a Freudian idea of like uh, the intimacy of penetration, like sex and killing are kind of interwoven. Anyway, <laughs> this may be, I mean, I'm going off on tangents. This is going to be a longer episode than I thought, I guess. Um, it, like to step into the chicken's zone and actually run the knife along his neck was, it all happened in a second, right? I didn't really dwell on it, but like this, this flash of like resistance came up. And then I was surprised at how easily the knife cut it open like obviously i've i've uh i've carved up cooked animals before right um but i've never i've never sliced the throat before like this is like a it was like an unusual sensation and i was surprised at how easy it was um and 
at first, I, so it was like a surprise of like, wow, and it's like, holy crap, like it's it's so easy to just like cut something, cut a living being open, right? Like, uh, you know, it, so it made me think about more immortality. And I, for a moment, I felt very satisfied of like, oh, I did it, like I did this thing, you know, I've I've taken my place in the food chain, blah blah blah. That was only for a second, because in all the videos I watched, um, they do show like even if you take the head clean off, the chicken does flap. It's like a you know. Uh, for for a, a few moments, like it's a natural reaction, and and you know he he did flap, and I was like, okay, you know, just wait a few seconds, he'll be dead. But then he kept flapping, and then I was like, oh fuck, like I didn't I didn't make a clean kill. It made me think of uh, well, the thing I was afraid of. I didn't think of this this moment, but the thing that I didn't want to happen was like in uh, in Game of Thrones. A lot of people get beheaded in Game of Thrones, but there's a scene in in one of the middle seasons where Theon Greyjoy, who's kind of like this loser. This loser who's trying to be more manly than he is uh, sentences someone to death. He tries to uh, he tries to behead him, but he doesn't. He's not strong enough to make the clean cut. So he has to like keep hacking, keep hacking, to, and he causes this immense pain. And then even the hardened soldiers like feel sick to their stomach. Like I felt really bad, and because he kept flapping. And honestly, I had another moment of resistance. I went from like feeling satisfied and like accomplished to like being like, oh shit, I fucked up. And I felt this moment of like I kind of just want to maybe look. Part of me want honestly want to look look the other way and like wait for him to die. Uh, my girlfriend was there though, and she was like, "Maybe you should cut it again," or like, you know, because obviously it, it wasn't right. So this this was actually the greatest moment of resistance, where it was uh, it was kind of I, I didn't realize how much the blood was going to spray. I, I mean, I guess because I didn't have a clean kill, and it kind of like shot in every direction. There's actually like a ring in uh, in my backyard where uh, where he was hanging. Like there's like a perfect circle because he was flapping in every direction. I know. I mean, I didn't mean to be that graphic. Well, whatever. I'm talking about this experience. And he was flapping and like the blood was spraying everywhere. And that was the, the greatest moment of resistance because it was like, it was the resistance of having to do another kill stroke of something that was already bleeding. And then like the same resistance of like him flapping to get away. But that feeling of resistance was followed by the moment of probably, I don't know if satisfaction is a great word, but anyway, I grabbed him, I, I grabbed his wings so he didn't move, uh, I, I could feel him still struggling, and I, you know, I finally, I did the kill stroke, and I did it cleanly, so this head came off, and um, and then it was over. That was, like, the moment that I think I most appreciate, like, that was, like, so a lot of people but before this have been, like, both kind of, like, in reality, uh, but also, I think, kind of teasing me, uh, I was like, oh yeah, that'll make you feel like a man. I mean, semi, you know, uh, a lot of people associate that with that. And, you know, with, with a lot of things that we consider masculine, culturally, it's kind of normal to make fun of people. Like, anyway, it's not even my point. Uh, and I didn't think a lot about that. And I thought mostly people were referring to the killing. Or maybe they were, or I thought it referred to the killing part. But that actually wasn't the part that made me feel like most of the men. Actually, the killing... Well, part moments of the killing kind of felt boyish of like, oh, look at me doing this thing. Like I'm obviously a bigger animal with a knife, right? The moment that I felt the most like a man was actually the one, the moment where I did the right thing and gave it the, the mercy stroke because that, that was like the moment where I overcame the most resistance to like grab the body despite discomfort in myself and in, in the animal and do the right thing. That was, that felt like, I mean, that was the moment where I exhibited the most duty, or I don't know how to put it. I mean, I don't want to over-dramatize this. I guess if, if you're listening and you grew up in the country and you've done this a lot of times, maybe you've killed chickens as a kid, this probably is like your problem. Maybe you're rolling your eyes and be like, whatever, you know, like a uh, city slicker, you know, but anyway, 
new moment for me, right? But this moment where I gave, gave the mercy stroke, that's where I actually felt the strongest because I did the right thing despite, despite discomfort. And then after that, there was interesting moments because after it was done, I went back to feeling, I don't want to say satisfied to make it sound like a psycho killer, like, oh, I loved, I loved it. It, was, it wasn't like pleasurable, but it felt like I did the right thing. I did something that was high sensation. It was very real. There's no way that you don't feel real. Like we look at car crashes because those, those uh, unfortunate moments make us feel real and remind us of our mortality as opposed to like jerking off or looking at random shit on your phone. Like that's not real. Like that, that, that kind of stuff always separates us from our fidelity because that's like not real life. Like this experience is real life. Gardening is closer to real life than, you know, doing something in a skyscraper. Anyway, um, wasn't over, of course, because then I noticed the smells, right? Because I could smell the blood, which kind of reminded me of the smell of dog food. I could smell the wet, or I mean the chicken's feathers. It is a barn animal. And it was interesting having those two smells of like the smell of food and the smell of the live animal at the same time. It was like these two things, obviously I know what it was, going from a live animal to food, but like both smells were there at the same time. It was like this transition of um, going from one thing that I really, I mean, thing in the sense of like you relate to a live animal differently than you relate to um, a chicken breast on your plate. But actually the most... Uh, Unpleasant thing was actually the, the defeathering because it, you know it does it's it's more of that it became like a wet dog smell and it was it was tedious. I mean I have silky chickens so they don't even have regular feathers that you could just pull out. They have like kind of a fur, um, so that took time. And then uh, gutting it was uh, interesting. It was uh, you know it, that was by the time I took its legs off and its head off and its feathers off, it, it resembled more uh, meat. Um, so then it was more like. Um, it's kind of like playing operation. So anyway, I wanted to share about my first kill experience. Now that I've done it, I feel like yeah, I, could, I could do it again and I, I will make sure that I do the killing part more cleanly. If you don't eat meat, fine. I mean, you know, I get it. But like if you do eat meat, I think it's important to know how your food is made and, and to experience it yourself. And especially, I will say, I will go out and say like if you are a man, it's an important part because this is how we contributed. This is how men contributed to society, to our tribe, to our families for thousands of generations. And I do, I might be romanticizing it. I know I'm kind of guilty of maybe over romanticizing the Paleolithic period, but our emotions did evolve for that kind of lifestyle. And if you look at most of our modern neuroses, it's from the fact that we live in a world that's so different than what we evolved for. Actually, our brains really in general have not evolved much in the last 10,000 years. And our emotional uh, wiring is much, much, much older than that. It's, it's even older than Homo sapiens. So if you consider uh, how far we've moved, how, how far and how quickly we've gotten this far away from the environment we've evolved for, it's kind of, you, know, you can see why we have uh, so many mental issues. So I, and I do think for a guy, this, is, this was such an important activity for our ancestors it's something that you should experience. And I, uh, I don't have enough chickens to slaughter all my food, but perhaps in the near future I will. And perhaps I will move on to uh, more com complex animals. It might be hard to kill a lamb. But I haven't eaten lamb a lot lately, so I should, right? All right. Um, if you're watching this, uh, 
Masculine Underground Facebook group is a great place to discuss stuff. And actually, if you listen to the show and you're a guy, and please join because I'd be curious to to hear uh, if anyone else has had this experience. If you're not a man, sorry, I don't have a I don't have a co-ed group or a women's group. Maybe I will in the future. Um, thank you for everyone who reached out. In a, recently, I I, uh, I put a little thing in um, the Lover Archetype episode because I just saw my s- stats of how um, like somewhere between twenty and thirty five percent. Uh, it's different, different, different apps, but uh, of women or uh, people who listen to the show are women. I was surprised because all of my episodes were directed at men's issues. Um, so thank you to everyone who reached out. I uh, was just curious, uh, you know, what has a woman watch, listen to a show? Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's my silly public service announcement, but maybe uh, listen to this instead and do some push-ups or stretch. There's no reason why you need to look at me. Um, and I, you know, one of the things that disconnects us from our natural instincts is being on screens and sitting down, which is what I'm doing. I'm doing it. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I would, if I could record podcasts while, while running around or stretching, I, I would, maybe there's a way I could do that. Maybe that, yeah, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should take my own medicine. I do for the most part. Anyway, uh, and the archetype challenge is still available. If you uh, want to connect with your masculine archetype, it's 21 day missions and micro lessons to train you to connect with your archetypal masculinity, which are the testosterone-driven impulses and feelings and behaviors in your psyche. That's at rwando.com slash archetype. And if you get that program, you get a free coaching call with me. Thanks for watching, listening. Hopefully you're listening. All right, goodbye. Truth, I dress in a room.